grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Once again, it's so good to be with you here this morning, and if we haven't met before, or if you're new to St. John's, welcome. Uh, I'm Pastor Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here at St. John's, so grateful to be uh, serving the Lord here at this great congregation. Now, speaking of Pastor Michaels, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about another Pastor Michael, and I've actually known quite a few of them over the years, that's a pretty common name, but this one lived before my time. Back in, and actually, back in 1934, actually just after Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, Pastor Michael, an American pastor, traveled to Germany to attend an international church conference of his denomination. And in Germany, while he was there, he discovered again, and he saw more deeply the results of the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s. Now, There are many aspects and facets to the Protestant Reformation, but one of the foundational moments, which as Lutherans we remember every year in October, is when Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church door, October 31st, 1517. And much of what Luther stood up for was how the Word of God was being lived out among the people of God. And so one of the pillars of the Reformation is sola scriptura, scripture alone, the word alone. And that pillar of the Reformation points us to consider in our lives, what are the voices, what are the messages, what are the words, what are the truths that guide our lives and our identities, our callings, our purpose, our life together, and our mission together. You see, one of the atrocities of the time of the Reformation in the 1500s was that some of the leaders in the church... Some of the leaders in the church had basically said you could buy your way into God's grace and favor. Essentially, you could buy righteousness. But as Luther read the word of God, as he studied the word of God, as he taught and lectured on the Psalms and Romans, the voice of God, the words of God, the message of God, the pages of the scripture, The truth of God was shouting louder and louder into his heart, into his mind, into his conscience, and was exposing this corruption in the church. One of those verses that Luther went to is Romans 1, 17. For in the gospel, that's the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Righteousness by faith, not by works, not by thoughts, not by power, not by intellect, not by pedigree, not by money, not by buying indulgences. Righteousness by faith. Righteousness given to humanity as a free gift in Jesus Christ. And so began the Protestant Reformation of the church. You see, Luther couldn't reconcile the word of God with the practice of the church. And so he and many others, they sought reform. And see, the important distinction that I would like to to point out today as we consider our sermon series, Turn the Page, is that perhaps as we look at the Scripture, as we look at the Word of God today, our Old Testament lesson actually, we can pause a second and instead of asking, what are we turning the page from and to, instead, this morning, we might ask ourselves, what page are we turning at all? 
A page has words, and the words speak to us, and words are communication, and words are meant to inform us and to influence us and our minds and our hearts and our wills and our purposes and our identity and our life together. Words are meant to guide us and comfort us and challenge us. What page are you turning to for truth, to shape your life, to guide your heart, to guide you in your relationships with family, friends, work, community, and church? Is it the Word of God or is it something else? What page are you turning? What page are you turning to? Now, we see in our Old Testament text today, uh, we see different people responding in different ways to the page of God's Word. And usually that communication of God's Word, it leads us not only to a sort of existential identity-shaping reality like the righteous will live by faith, it's who we are, by faith we live. But those words of God, they also lead us to actions, to application, to implications of that identity here and now, and it shapes our lives here and now. And so what did Luther do? He received that word, and he nailed the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg. He heard the word, and then he peacefully stood up, and he did something about it. And actually, in our text today, we see different people turning the page of God's word, God's communication to them as well. Our Old Testament lesson shows us Samuel and Eli. Eli was the spiritual leader of God's people, and Samuel was a young assistant whose life was dedicated to God and to helping uh, the people of God worship. And so let's dig into it. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. That means they, they didn't have the Bible like we do, so God spoke directly to the people in the vision to his prophets. Verse 2, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. And so he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel got up, and he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He hadn't received visions from God. Verse 8, a third time the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Little Samuel, in those moments, he learns the correct posture before the communication that comes from God. And I think we can learn two things here from those two words, servant and listening. The word servant teaches us that the importance of having an attitude of humility before God's word, before God's communication, before the pages of his message to us. That means we don't approach God's words, God, the pages of scriptures. We don't approach them arrogantly. We don't approach them with pride. But we realize that God is speaking to us. 
And instead of trying to fit God into our mind, into our story, we come desiring to get into his mind, to his story, to his work in the world and in our lives, which means we listen. We don't tell God what is right or wrong, or we don't tell God how to do his job. We let God speak. My friends, you see, that's what Luther did. He let God speak, and God said, the righteous will live by faith. Romans 1 verse 17, the righteous will live by faith. That spoke to, to Luther's heart. It's the gospel. It's what God is all about, and we love it, and it's freeing, and it's life-giving, and, and we love to hear it, and we're so grateful to Luther and the other reformers for bringing it back to the center of the church. But the Word of God it doesn't only speak words of grace and mercy and faith, words of gospel, but it also speaks words of law, words that guide, words that are truth and sometimes hard to hear. You see, as Samuel follows Eli's advice in a posture of humility and a posture of listening, well, this is actually what God says. Verse 11, the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. So you see, Samuel, the, the boy, he hears a harsh word about his mentor, his boss's family in life. You see, Eli's sons had done terrible things in the church. In fact, the Word of God says this. 2.12 of 1 Samuel, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. They were literally taking their authority as priests. They were corrupting the people's worship. They were stealing from their offerings. It is said in verse 17 of chapter 2 that this sin was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering, the Lord's worship, with contempt. My friends, it gets even worse. Not only that, they were actually sleeping with the female servants of the temple. It was terrible. They used their power and their authority as leaders of God's people to corrupt worship, to steal, to abuse those under their authority. It was messed up. Not unlike some of the pastors today who get caught up in scandals of money and power, abuse, and infidelity. Eli knew it was wrong. He actually confronted his sons, but he didn't enforce what was right. Eli was in the wrong for not dealing with this terrible behavior of his sons. And God spoke to Samuel about it. God says, I told him, that's Eli, that I would judge his family forever because of the sin that he knew about, that his sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. And so young Samuel heard from God that punishment was coming down on Eli, coming down on his mentor, and not just Eli, but his sons. I mean, that's a huge burden. Verse 15 says, Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, here I am. What is it the Lord said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. And so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. So, wow, at this point, you're like, how is Eli going to react? God is speaking a hard but true word to Eli through the young Samuel. 
Eli's apprentice, Eli's young helper, would Eli follow the, his own advice that he'd given to Samuel? Would Eli, in humility, listen to this word from God? Would Eli, in his being, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? Verse 18, Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Wow. Eli knew he had done wrong. And instead of trying to justify himself and defend himself, he was honest and he knew that he deserved to be punished for doing such an awful thing to God's people. He was humble before God's words. He listened to God's words. And I got to tell you, that image, that picture, it gives me hope. It gives us all hope because we all mess up. We all have ignored God's words to us. But when we admit that, as we just did at the beginning of the service, and we listen to him in humility, God speaks his gospel to us again and again because he's always ready to forgive and to restore us because the righteous live by faith. Well, how does the story end up? The story continues, verse 19. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. God spoke to Samuel words, and Samuel spoke those words to the people. Eli had done wrong when it came to his sons, but he still had faith. He was willing to admit when he was wrong, which was the very opposite of his sons. They were filled with pride. They brought destruction on the church. They had no regard for the Lord. They were corrupt and abusive to God's people. They did not in humility listen to God, and they paid for it with their lives. But young Samuel, in humility, he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He heard the word and then he acted on it. He told the truth to Eli and he ended up leading the nation of Israel. Eli heard that harsh word and in humility he listened and he took the punishment, the punishment which was bad to him personally, but it was great for the entire nation of Israel and the work of God in the world. Which brings me back to Martin Luther. Martin Luther, like Samuel, in humility, he heard the word of God and he spoke the truth to his leaders. Unfortunately, the leaders did not listen, but fortunately, that sparked the Protestant Reformation and it returned the truth of God's grace, the gift of faith, and the pages of the word to the people of God. And he did it peacefully through the power of the word. In fact, Martin Luther inspired so many people throughout the years to turn the page of the Word, to listen to the Word of God, to give God the primary voice. He followed in the attitude of Samuel before God, and he, in his life, Martin Luther said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, one such person that Martin Luther inspired, it was that other Pastor Michael that I was talking about at the beginning of the sermon, the one who went to Germany in 1934. He was so inspired by Martin Luther's listening to the word like Samuel and then doing something about it for the sake of all God's people that Pastor Michael, he was so inspired that he came back to the United States of America and he changed his name from Michael to Martin Luther. 
His name was Michael King, pastor of Atlanta Ebenezer Baptist Church, and he became Reverend Martin Luther King. And his son, Michael King Jr., was five years old at the time, and he changed his son's name to Martin Luther King Jr., who became the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who became the pastor of his dad's church. And unlike the faithless sons of Eli, Martin Luther King Jr. listened to the words of God in humility, and he acted on it. He listened to that very word of God that says every human being is created in the image of God and therefore every human being is holy, the sanctity of human life. He listened to that very word of God that said that Christ came to this earth for all people, Jews and Gentiles, Jesus Christ who said go and make disciples of all nations. Martin Luther King Jr. listened to those words in humility. And he acted on them. In fact, the very last sermon of Martin Luther King Jr. that he preached before he was assassinated, he mentioned Martin Luther. And he was, he was talking about traveling through time and if he could pass certain places and events in history. And he said these words, I quote his sermon, I would even go by the way that the man for whom I'm named had his habitat. And I would watch Martin Luther as he taxed his 95 theses on the door at the Church of Wittenberg. Martin Luther turned the page of the Word and he nailed the 95 Theses. Martin Luther King Jr. turned the page of the Word and he, too, nailed his 95 Theses, but in a different way. And as a pastor, he became the most visible spokesperson and leader of the civil rights movement. As a nation, we celebrate his birthday, January 15th, every year. Today, we consider his legacy along with Samuel's legacy and his namesake, Martin Luther the Reformer. Samuel, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., they all turned the page of God's word. They relied on God's word to guide their identity, to guide their lives. And with their lives, they said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And did God ever speak to them and through them? The world and the church and the mission of God is better because they turned the page of the word. Their legacy invites us to turn from listening to our own minds, to our own words, to our own thoughts, and to listen to God's word. Not only listen, and not only listen in humility, but to apply that word to our lives and to the world. Martin Luther King Jr. prayed for us to do that very thing. And so perhaps as tomorrow, our nation honors his work, I'd like for us to pray his prayer for the church. And I hope that this prayer can guide us to justice and peace. And so I invite you to pray this prayer that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote. I invite you to pray it with me now. Lord, we thank you for your church founded upon your word that challenges us to do more than sing and pray, but to go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us and not upon you. Help us to realize 
Help us to realize that humanity was created to shine like the stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, to pray together, to sing together, and live together until that day when all God's children, black, white, red, brown, and yellow, will rejoice in one common band of humanity in the reign of our Lord Jesus and of our God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.